Welcome to a Friday edition of Locked on Heat. On today's show, if the playoffs were to start today, the Heat would be on the outside looking in. But are they one of the best eight teams in the East? And we'll look ahead to next week and preview the upcoming slate of games when we play Guess the Record. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast breaking down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. My name is Wes Goldberg, and I'm here, as always, with David Ramil. It's Friday, so we're going to guess the Heat's record for the next week. We'll look back to our favorite Heat moment from this week. But let's start with tonight's game between the Heat and the Pacers. Now, Indiana currently ranked third in the East at 8-6. and six. The Heat right now are out of the playoffs at 6-8 and eight and ranked ninth. In the conference. So, David, now that we're several weeks into the season, how would you rank the top eight teams in the East right now? Because I think we did this going into the season. You and I obviously had the Heat in the top eight. I think we had them at like five or six, you know, between the two of us. Yeah. Where? How would you rank the, the teams in the East right now? Let's uh, let's start at the top. Because uh, I think that one's pretty obvious. Yeah, it's got to be Toronto, right? I think um, yeah. the combination of depth and proven talent and really superstar level talent and Kawhi Leonard in particular, he is probably, along with Giannis Antetokounmpo, the best players in the Eastern Conference. But I think Toronto gets the edge in that they have a whole heck of a lot of depth um, and, and some familiarity and continuity, unlike, I think, Milwaukee, who's still trying to piece some things together, although yeah. they look really good. I mean, it's it's pretty close for me, but I've got Toronto as number one. How about you? I mean, yeah, Toronto's number one. I think their depth puts them over the edge. Um, it is a really interesting debate, though, that Kawhi versus Giannis thing. Giannis is really, really good, yes. and he does things that Kawhi does not do. Uh, in particular, just the way you can see the like, – he's gotten so good as a passer, Yeah, Giannis has. Uh, and, you know, Kawhi's not a small dude by any means, but Giannis is so big. He just sees the floor. There's a lot of LeBron James to just – that advantage. That's part of the reason why LeBron is such a good uh, playmaker is just because he could see over everybody, and Giannis kind of has that similar advantage. That said, I still give I still give the edge to Toronto. Look, I know that they can at least do it to the playoffs to the point where they can get to a conference finals. I know that they can, and I think some of those things that hindered them in the last conference finals aren't there anymore. Mostly, LeBron James is not there anymore, but yeah. also like you know, Demar Derozan's game is is problematic and yeah. it's flawed, especially for the postseason. Kawhi's is made for the postseason, basically. So I'll give the edge to Toronto there, but Milwaukee is firmly, I think, my number two team. It'll be interesting to see if Milwaukee stays there. You yeah. know, I still use like you know we'll talk about them at Boston and Philly uh, with Philadelphia also adding Jimmy Butler. Probably have more depth of talent than Milwaukee does, but even though Milwaukee might have the best player in the East. But um, right now, at least, the Bucks are my number two. Because they're, de- they're getting it done defensively, too, which is which has been huge for them. But uh, who's number three for you? Yeah, that's problematic, then. Because uh, at first glance, I'd have to say it's probably Philadelphia, even though their record doesn't reflect that. But I think the addition of Butler, even though they suffered their first loss with Jimmy in the lineup against the Orlando Magic, I think that they're still a better team. Like I, I have the feeling, and we're starting to see a lot of pieces around the NBA kind of criticizing Jimmy's fit there, whether or not he's going to rub people the wrong way. He's probably already going to eliminate Markel Fultz as a critical role player, and there's talk that he might even have major conflict with a guy like Ben Simmons, who's not nearly as obsessive about the game as Jimmy is. 
So that might be a problem. But at the same time, I kind of feel like that tension might work for some reason. Like what didn't work in Minnesota mm. might work, at least in the short term in Philadelphia. And I think it'll get Joel Embiid to another level, which is hard to predict considering he's already playing at such a high level. So for me right now, number three, I'd have to go with Philadelphia. And, and honestly, that's just a smidge over the Boston Celtics. I'm going to agree with you. I love the Jim- I actually love the Jimmy Butler fit um, in Philadelphia. I didn't love it at first, yeah. but I wrote a piece on it for uh, the step back. And part of the reason I wrote the piece was just sort of to work out my own thoughts. And the more I kept writing, the more I start- started loving the fit. He does so many things that they needed as far as just having a, a guy who can create shots for himself and for others. Um, a guy who was a really, really good one-on-one defender where Covington was more of, I think, a switchy team defender yes but wasn't as good in an, on an island right and like Jim Butler has that like Richard Sherman quality to him that I think that they were missing last season I saw and I saw not to interrupt there but I saw a really good point brought up and I can't remember who or else that I attributed but the fact that Jimmy's leading all uh, NBA players in scoring and clutch situations and mm-hmm. that's something where Philadelphia struggles with, mostly because their best scorer is Joel Embiid, and everybody knows the shot's coming to him. It's either him or J.J. Redick, because Ben Simmons obviously doesn't have an outside shot, and there isn't anybody else that you fear as a potential scorer there in the waning moments of a close game. So it's either Redick or Embiid, because Simmons, again, can't space the floor. So yeah. now that with Jimmy there, he's going to be the guy. So they've got maybe a couple of deficiencies, and he makes up for a lot of them. And underrated part of adding Jimmy Butler is the demotion of Markel Fultz, <laughs> which is the promotion of J.J. Redick back into the starting lineup, and yeah. he was part of the best starting lineup in the league last regular season. So having him back in there, Wilson Chandler, we'll see if that he maintains that fifth spot there. But um, one more quick point on Philadelphia before we move on. As far as fit goes, yeah, it's not as perfect as the Warriors because everybody in the Warriors could shoot threes with their lights with, with their eyes closed. Yeah. But... Philadelphia reminds me a little bit of the big three heat. If you kind of if if you squinch, squinch a little yeah. bit with, jo- with Joel Embiid kind of playing that Chris Bosh role, anchor the defense, can stretch the floor from the five position. Ben Simmons is sort of that Dwayne Wade guy. You know, isn't going to shoot threes, but is really smart as a player overall. Can get to the rim, can make just is a creator, makes things happen. And Jimmy Butler obviously playing like the LeBron role, um, like a LeBron light role where he's probably the closer with the ball in his hands yeah. um, and can just sort of do a bunch of different things on the floor and be your the the probably the alpha defender on of that group. So um, just surround that. Like the formula's there is what I'm trying to say. Surround them with shooters. Um, Wayne Ellington might be a good fit there. Just saying. Yeah. Um, number four, right? Because we did our top three. Yeah, number four. I, I forget the Celtics. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think they're going to figure out their issues and – you know, one of the, we're seeing this in Miami, and you know, we I've made the comparison. I think we both have actually that, you know, Boston has long been a team that Miami can look up to in the sense that you know they were never they lacked a superstar for many years, and Brad Stevens was always able to get more of that out of that roster than people expected, and they started to slowly make a climb up. Miami hasn't made a slow climb up just because I don't think they were ever as down far as far down as Boston was when when Stevens took over. Um, but I, I think you know they're they're going to figure out a way of integrating all these players. It's going to be difficult. Gordon Hayward's not at 100 percent yet. I think there's still mental issues in addition to physical ones. There, um, Horford might have taken a step back now that he's a little bit older too. And Kyrie's been in and out of the lineup as well. So I, I think eventually those things will kind of 
fall back into form. And I think eventually Boston is still going to be a very good team. You know, it's funny because I think a lot of people expected them to be the top team in the Eastern Conference or at least up there with, with Toronto. And now it seems like maybe that might not be the case, especially with Philadelphia significantly improving. But I, I've got them at my fourth best team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, the Hayward injury issues are obviously there. I think there's lingering Kyrie injury issues. He might not have started the season in the best shape. Right. And then there's just ego management that wasn't there last season. So I think they're, they'll work themselves through it. I got Boston at four. I've got Indiana at five. Sure. And I think this is a pretty clear top five in the East right now. I mean, the Pacers, you know, starting the season right where they left off last season, Victor Oladipo is a legitimate star. Like, not an all-star. He's a star player. He is good enough. By him. Like, Nobody else on that roster is a, like, is an, an all-star level player. Like these are all like replacement level to you know above average roster guys. Victor Oladipo is carrying that team, and that team looks really really good. So I think it's pretty clear that Indiana is at five. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty okay. clear too. I, that's where about, it gets tricky. I mean, that's the top five is pretty clear, and then after yeah. that, that's where it becomes really challenging. I've got you know that I have a, a soft spot for the Hornets this year. I've got them at six. I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, their point differential is actually better than Boston and Indiana this season. It's, yeah. it's uh, third best in the East, but it's like that typical Charlotte problem is like they have a point differential of a team substantially better than them, but yet here they are at five hundred. They're seven at seven, seven and seven at the time of us recording this. That said, I still have them at number six. Kemba Walker just gives them a high ceiling, and I like what James Morego's done with the 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 spacing this season. Yeah, I. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I, I've, I've kind of discount what Charlotte does, as good as Kemba has been, and as much as they've gotten contributions from other guys, MKG playing out of position, and uh, Malik Monk playing better than, than he did in his rookie year, but that's not saying much considering he was as bad as he was. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that this is going to be consistent. Like, I, I, Look, I, I feel either Kemba's going to be dealt or an injury will kind of upset everything. Uh, you know, Nick Batum is played that's, at a pretty high level. That, that's the cloud, right, is... Do the Hornets think they have a realistic shot at keeping Kemba? Because even if they're good, even if they make the playoffs this year, look if you if you're Kemba Walker and you look around you, you're like, I'm not winning a championship here. You know, even if we improve, I'm not winning a title here. So that is that is the ugly cloud. And if they think that they're gonna, uh, if they think he's gonna walk, they they should consider trading him by February. But for right now, I saw, do you have them at six? Who do you have at six? I think I, I'll give Detroit the edge there. I, I, I okay. maybe um crazy here but i kind of like what Dwayne casey is able to do or at least what he was able to do in toronto i haven't really watched a lot of pistons basketball and i know miami did beat them um but at the same time i just get a feeling that he's going to be able to get the most out of that team and of course blake is playing at a high level um there's not a lot of depth there and that could be problematic uh and their roster is kind of capped out as far as salary is concerned so it's not like they're going to be making major moves and they just haven't gotten the kind of development internally than a lot of people expected. So maybe their ceiling is limited, but I, I still think if Blake is able to play at a, as high a level as he has, he's good enough to carry them over a Charlotte team that yeah. I'm not quite confident about. I think Detroit has another... They they could be in the market if John Wall becomes available or even if like Mike Conley in Memphis becomes available. Ooh, wow. Swapping Reggie Jackson, a draft pick, and maybe like a young piece like a Luke Kennard or something like that um, to go get one of those guys. Could Nobody wants Kennard. Nobody wants Luke Kennard. That's unfortunate. Um, so you've got Detroit. Who's your seventh team? I give uh, Charlotte the edge there. I think okay. they're, they're, they're. I mean, they're, they've played really well. Kemba's been phenomenal, and you you laid out all the things that Borrego has done. So yeah. yeah, seven seems fair. I've got Miami at seven. Um, their point differential is still positive. 
I think when push comes to shove, they're probably better than Detroit, who I have at eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they're as good as Charlotte. I think Kemba's just there. He's I'm in a matchup. It's too problematic. I know that's not exactly how we're doing this, but mm-hmm. um, I've got Miami at seven, Detroit at eight. Who's your eighth team then? Based on what we've seen so far this season, I guess I'd have to give Miami the edge. Although obviously yeah. their record isn't as even as good it's, as Orlando, but it's almost by default, right? Because you're not going to, you can't give it to Washington. You I'd can't like give to. it to Brooklyn. I, I can't you, believe that Washington's playing as badly as they have. I know you've seen it, you've written about it. I mean, it's unbelievable how far they've fallen. Yeah. But I mean, with a the they're of just talent, not good. Yeah, all that talent, they're not a good team. You just can't give it to them right now. But I'm with you. It's like it, it's crazy with how much talent that they have. And uh, I mean, look, if if Karis LeVert didn't get hurt, Brooklyn would have had my would have been in here, and Miami probably would have dropped out. If maybe Detroit for me. What about the um, Magic? Would have the Orlando out. Magic at seven and eight, they oh can finally God. be in the top ten in the Eastern Conference. They they haven't been there since the start of last year and the previous four seasons before that. So I mean, it's been a while for them. Mazel tov. We'll guess the Heat's record after this break. We'll get to our best heat thing of the week later on, but it's Friday, so it's time to play Guess the Record. Uh, so this for this last week, this last slate of games, David and I both went 1-1, one one, um, with both of us predicting a loss to tonight's game against the Pacers. So we both went 1-2 for the week. We don't know how things will happen with the Pacers tonight. Um, wait and see for that. But as far as the 1-1 one one record goes going into this game, David, we had the right record but the wrong games. We thought they would lose to Brooklyn um, and beat... Detroit or Philadelphia? Philadelphia. Philadelphia beat beat Philadelphia in the wake of them sending two starters to uh, to Minnesota for Jimmy Butler. Um, but still, we're one on one. We'll count it. Um, so, any surprise? Were there any surprises from this last week before we got look ahead to next week? Uh, I, I am surprised that they were not able to live up to uh, Philadelphia's high level of play. I mean, obviously Joel Embiid is going to play at a high level regardless. Um, but without right. Cove there, without Dario there, you get the feeling that Miami should have figured out a way of knocking off. This opponent. I mean, you should have had a little bit more anger considering how things played out in the postseason last year, last season rather. And, and that wasn't the case. So that was a surprising part is that this Miami team has me so confused because I just see, I don't see the same kind of heart, you know. And I thought that we had seen them kind of turn a corner and maybe it's just the playoffs. Maybe the the, 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 the light shines a little bit brighter in the postseason and you can see some of that anger and that energy. And maybe these things are too vague or too cliche, but I, I just I haven't seen any kind of real heart from this team over the first yeah. few games of the year. You know, I mean, it was surprising. We, we both predicted that they would win that Philadelphia game, and that was because, like, if it wasn't, if they didn't trade for Butler, I think we both would have predicted that as a loss because they wouldn't have been without two starters and right. waiting for Jimmy Butler to get on the plane home right. or to his new home to Philadelphia. They were dealt a really good hand in that Jimmy Butler were. That that the Jimmy Butler trade went down, and that they were going to be without two starters. When just two nights after they played Miami, they were going to have Jimmy Butler against the Magic, and then, wow, they ended up losing to the Magic. So I think that flipped on them too. Very much. But so. um, you know, I think that the Heat had an opportunity there to go two and zero through these first two games because you know they they caught a break with the Jimmy Butler deal in a weird way, and then unfortunately, and you hate to say this, but they did catch a break with the Karis LeVert injury, and that's really one of the reasons. And then of course Jared Allen just being sick. Like they should have been two and zero in these two games, especially coming off of a three uh, an zero and three homestand, which was really bad. So, uh, I'm with you. I thought that was a little surprising, but let's look ahead um, to this next week. Um, we and we both predicted that they'd lose tonight. We'll see. Uh, we're obviously not rooting for that, but that's what we think is going to happen. Then they play Sunday 
at home against the Lakers. How do you see that game playing out? I think that's actually going to be a win for Miami. I'm Look, LeBron is huh. LeBron, but he's historically played bad in Miami since leaving in 2014. Or, you know, bad being a caveat whenever you're talking about a Losing. guy like LeBron James. Yeah, he's yeah. lost some games there. Um, and I, I just don't care too much for the rest of that team. You know I'm pretty sour on the Lakers. I know they've been playing at a slightly higher level than they did to start the year, but that's only because they were outright bad when they started the season. Uh, and they're going to be playing the night before in Orlando, so they've got to get out of Amway Center mm. close to midnight, fly down to Miami, and then get ready for the game the next day. So they're going to be a little tired. They may even go and party because they only get that one night in Miami. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I, I like to give the Heat the edge. I think there's enough there. I think Wade will come back after the birth of his daughter. I think he'll be able to play against his former teammate in LeBron James. Uh, I, I, I like a lot of the stories surrounding this, and I give the edge to Miami. Yeah, I've got this as a loss. Um, I just I think that the speed that the Lakers play with is going to yes. is gonna be tough for Miami to match up with. Um, like yeah, Atlanta. the back-to-back like might the Hawks, help. Right? Yeah, like the, the, yeah. That, it reminds me a lot of that, yeah. Pushing the pace and exactly. getting out in front, yeah. And those are two of the top five teams in pace in the NBA right now: Atlanta, the Hawks, um, Kings, Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, we had a problem with them. And look, I think that there's that yeah, that 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 forty four point game LeBron had against the Spurs was on ESPN. I think there was a little bit of a hey, let me get up for like people are kind of discounting me, saying I'm kind of just kind of lazily going through this season. I'm on national TV, let me show out, and he did that against the Spurs. It'll be interesting to see if he does that again. If is this LeBron kind of flicking on the switch for a few games to make you know turn this streak into something real for them and you know to get them into the playoff position, or was it just kind of getting up for a national televised game? Who knows? Um, but I do have this uh, down as a loss. This is historically so far this season a team the kind of team Miami struggled with. Tuesday versus Brooklyn, I've got that as a win again. Again, no Karis Levert. I don't know how what Jared Allen's situation is, but. Um, they get the Nets at home, a couple days rest. I like the I, I like the matchup still for them. There's nobody that I look on in Brooklyn and be like, oh, man, that's going to be a problem for them. So I've got this as a win. Yeah, so do I. I, I think, uh, look, we, we saw a nice piece from Shandell Richardson over at The Athletic talking about how they've aired grievances there. Not like they were outright tension there. This isn't Golden State Warriors. But at the same time, there was some clearing of the air. Spolster did a good job of getting everybody to kind of talk and have a what was it he referred to it a, a mental practice day instead of a mental practice yeah instead yeah. of instead of forcing themselves to push through it physically to take a day isn't off the, and recharge isn't that the greatest that that is such a heat thing too because a lot of other teams would just call it an off day right right like hey just take the day out. like no it's not an off day we're practicing but mentally yes. like it's just it's it's such a heat thing um, Friday at Chicago to round out the week. I've also got that as a win. Chicago, they like to play fast. They like to try to do the pace and space thing. Uh, Zach Levine looks really good for them, but he I think it's a, there's a little empty calories there as well. I'm not I'm not trying to take. He looks healthy. He looks good, and I like what I've seen from him. But he's putting up crazy points on a bad team. Yeah, um, yeah. Their rookie Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, he looks pretty. Looks good. Yeah, he does look good. Um, yeah. But you know, you never know. I think. Unfortunately, Jabari Parker just isn't capable of playing at a high level anymore. And those days where we used to theorize about him being a good fit in Miami are long gone. Unfortunately, <laughs> just he's never bounced back from that second injury there, and it's it's pretty bad. But um, yeah, I see that as a win for Miami, even at Chicago. I, I think that gives them enough time. Look, they play on Tuesday against Brooklyn at home, then travel to Chicago. I, I think that's a good start for them. Um, a good opportunity, three days of rest there. I see this going at a three and zero week. To be honest with you, wow, three and zero. So you got three and zero. I got two and one. We're both optimistic. We so are. 
Yeah. Three and zero, man. I as much as as pessimistic as you were after the Nets win. <laughs> I'm surprised. I, I I thought you were gonna have us like zero and four in these three games. Um, our best thing from last week is up next. Fridays are a good time to reflect on the week, look at stats, check out some film or whatever. What stood out to you from this last week, David? I am uh, I am woefully unprepared for this segment, Wes. I, I've got nothing, to be honest with you. <laughs> you that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Look, you've got extenuating circumstances. That's fine. Um, can I can I just give you mine? Yes, I'd love to hear what you think is the best heat moment of the week. What if you don't have a best heat moment? What if you just have a best moment of the week? Maybe something related to the new addition to the household, like anything that you want to share with our listeners? Oh, like, I mean, I've, I've got a newborn son. Uh, for for our listeners that didn't know that, I've been tweeting about him occasionally. I don't tweet much, but yeah, that's I've made some news that way, and uh, he's been phenomenal. I look. This has, is his first words, Mario Chalmers. Is that the goal? He's working on it. He's got the chop part down. He just doesn't hasn't been able to finish up with the Chalmers yet. I'm hoping to get him to switch, you know, and maybe go with Rio. Just to kind of, I think that'll it's be easier. easier to enunciate for him. But we'll we'll see how it goes. I'll keep everybody posted. It's a good start. Um, hey, so my best thing from the week was that story from Shandell Richardson that you mentioned for the Athletic. Very nice. Um, and I want to read this part. Um, Dragic went f- as far as telling the others on the team where he was from and what he expected from a good teammate. He told them he was missing the little things of being part of a team: a clap when a teammate scores, a pat on the back after committing a turnover. This is the part of Goran Dragic that just makes me fall in love with him all over again, as much as I'm, like, on the sell high on Dragic, like, leading the charge on that, and I yeah. still stand by that. But he just he just wants a slap on the butt every once in a while. Like, he just wants everybody to clap and be happy, and he's like, this is these are the things that make a good teammate, and you got to appreciate that from Goran Dragic. I smiled when I read that. Um, this is the reason why he's beloved in that locker room. This is the reason why the organization loves him. Um, and it's a reason why any organization should love him. So I just that was my favorite thing of the week that happened. I mean, yeah, they won. The, they won against the Nets. That was nice. Um, I almost had the Vice jerseys down, but we've talked so much about that. I thought like that was a cop out. Um, so I'm gonna go with that. That Dragic just wants a just wants a pat on the back every once in a while. And that's I, all that matters. I, I think like that's a great point. Um, you know, I feel like again, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you probably know that I I'm very positive about Goron, and I like to think that he'll be part of this team for the rest of his career. Um, despite the fact that maybe some of our listeners believe and maybe some of our co-hosts believe that we should sell high while we can. But at the same time, he, he just seems like he's overwhelmingly positive. Like that kind of intensity. I think that the odds are, they were pretty far for him, pretty great for him to reach the level of play that he's reached. Uh, being a European player, not being elite level as far as uh, NBA type athleticism is concerned, having to work for what he's got here, being a little undersized in some ways as well, uh, and just having to use some kind of overt physicality the way he has. It's a great story. Um, and and I, I really, you know, I, I think he's just a really hardworking player and I, he likes to see maybe not as maniacally as, you know, Jimmy Butler, but I, I, I think he likes to see positivity and energy from his teammates and that's something that's been lacking all year long. Like yeah. I said, I, I call it lack of heart, but you can call it a lack of emotion or a lack of communication, especially a positive communication. Maybe even nonverbal, like the way Goran said, a, a slap in the butt yeah. or whatever. 
Um, these kinds of things matter over the course of the season. It's a long grind, and you kind of get stuck in your head. Maybe it's because there isn't a clear-cut leader there, and that's the responsibility of somebody to say, come on, let's get everybody psyched up, let's get everybody engaged and take it to that next level. Maybe that's more difficult to do when you're in and out of the lineup, uh, you know, in Goran's case, or... You know, maybe when you don't have, uh, you know, when you have so many different players that have missed time due to injury, maybe you don't get that clear, a steady leadership role being filled every night. But I'm glad to see that Goran requires that and has explained to his teammates that he, he, he needs that and he prefers that sort of thing. And I think everybody kind of responded to that against Brooklyn and hopefully they'll continue to do so in the future. Yeah, for whatever team Gordon's on. He's a great teammate. He's a great teammate. Let's keep pumping up that trade value. Uh, That's all we have for the week. Thank you for listening and subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen. As always, you can reach us by sending an email to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or on Twitter by using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Make sure to get those mailbag questions in for Monday. Music is Caruso Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.